Welcome to the Pelican Brief with your host, David Tatman. Welcome to the Pelican Brief, where we bring you the major issues facing our state. Um, we know that from our previous broadcast that our property insurance markets are in crisis in the state of Louisiana. And we've asked Ben and Jeff Albright uh, with the independent insurance agents and brokers uh, to be with us today. And so, uh, Ben and Jeff, welcome to the show. And can you give uh, listeners a little bit of your background and experience in the insurance industry in Louisiana? Yeah, I'm Jeff Albright. I'm the CEO of the independent agents. We represent about 3,500 insurance agents around the state who have their own agency and represent multiple companies. I've been an insurance agent in Louisiana for 43 years, and I've been at the association for 35, so I've been doing this for a little while. And I'm Benjamin Albright. I'm the vice president at the association. I've been an agent for about eight or 10 years and just came on with the association a couple of years ago, and I'll take over as the CEO next year when he steps down. Well, great. Look, thank you all for being here. I know you all are uh, busy this time of year out doing things with uh, with legislation and running associations. So there's been a lot of conversations about how difficult property markets are in the state of Louisiana. And I've been telling our listeners in previous episodes that if you don't think there's a problem with property insurance in Louisiana, you either have not received your renewal or perhaps your cancellation, right? And so I was hoping that... Uh, Maybe you guys could give us a little bit of perspective on why we have a problem in Louisiana. Sure, I can start. Uh, real simply, the reason that we have a problem in Louisiana is that insurance companies don't want to write business here. Um, starting with, there is less capital available in the insurance market than there has been historically. Uh, this year, there's about an 11% reduction in the amount of reinsurance available which is insurance for insurance companies, and it kind of determines how much companies are willing to write. And so there's just less insurance essentially available, and insurance companies choose where they want to deploy that capital, and they don't like to deploy it in Louisiana right now. And that's for a few reasons. One, we're not the easiest state to do business in for insurance companies for a variety of reasons that we can get into. And then two, it hasn't been profitable. Um, we did a commission to study with a consultant that looked through some AMBEST data, which is a company that aggregates the data that companies are required to submit to the Department of Insurance. And they looked at homeowners insurers in Louisiana since 2005 with Hurricane Katrina. Um, they've lost $13 billion in the state. So it's about $2 billion in market size. There's $2 billion in premiums written every year in homeowners. And since 2005, they've lost $13 billion. So it doesn't take a real savvy businessman to know that you're not making a lot of money doing that in the state. Yeah, the most recent manifestation of that, of course, was 2020 and 2021 when we had four hurricanes in two years, uh, Hurricanes Laura, Delta, Zeta, and Ida. And there were over 800,000 claims in those two years. And the total so far is about $25 billion in losses. And to Ben's point, when you're only collecting $2 billion a year in premium, 
and you pay out $25 billion in two years, it really makes Louisiana uh, not look very good from an insurance company standpoint. So we followed the special session very closely uh, on this uh, podcast, and we kind of talked about what was happening. And, of course, you, you all were front and center in um, that activity. And, uh, you know, so we covered the, you know, uh, the whole – it was really the Insure Louisiana Incentive Program, the $45 million. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about that and how that might create at least some benefit in the market? So as Ben said, uh, capital is the most important thing. If insurance companies don't have enough capital, they can't write enough premium to provide the market that we need. And so the whole point of the incentive program is to have the state give incentives for companies to deploy their capital here. And the way that works is that they match dollar for dollar whatever grant they get from the state with their own capital, which is put into an escrow account, and that then allows them to write $4 a premium for each $1 in capital. And so by giving insurance companies an incentive to um, use their capital and add to that some state capital, uh, it allows companies to write more business. And so there were some guardrails that were put on there to kind of help shore up that program. Ben, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So as Dad said, we represent agents, not the insurance company. So we didn't really expect to be super involved in this special session. We turned out to be much more involved than we expected. Um, but our agents do not have enough market capacity right now, so they want us to do anything we can to encourage insurance companies to come back in. But what happened in after the most recent storm was a bunch of insolvencies, and so our biggest issue in this special session was making sure that the companies that come in are solvent and are going to be here for the long run, not just come in, write some policies, and then the wind blows and they go insolvent and we land ourselves back in this same situation. And so uh, credit to the legislative drafters and the department and everyone that was involved, they came up with some really good guardrails around enforcement for solvency. So that's in addition to the capital requirements that the uh, insurance department has looked at for a long time, they're also going to start looking at reinsurance. And as I mentioned, that's insurance for insurance companies. And it is the biggest thing for most of these um, coastal homeowners carriers, both because it's a huge line item on their expense side and because they lay off most of the risk in a lot of cases to the reinsurance companies so they can spread it a big, across a bigger pool. And so they have started stress testing reinsurance, and that's really the key piece where the department will be looking at their reinsurance programs to make sure that they have enough and that they have a broad enough tower that will capture from multiple storms and whatever scenarios may run by running a, a bunch of different models on what storms may hit the state in any given year. You bet. So that's the first building block. And so we have a, a regular session of Louisiana legislature starting on April the 10th. Can you share us share with us uh, what you think we may be doing in that session or what may need to be done to address some of the other issues? Yeah, I think in addition to the loss problems that we talked about earlier, there's three other problems that discourage insurance companies from wanting to do business here. Um, the first is that the insurance companies see the Louisiana legislature as largely being 
um, negative towards insurance companies. They keep passing more and more laws trying to restrict insurance companies in certain ways. And so we can talk about some ideas to address some of those issues. Uh, another one is regulation. The Department of Insurance is a very, very tight regulator, which at first blush may sound like, well, that's good. He's getting after those insurance companies and, and making sure they're doing right. And some of that's fine. But if you regulate too tightly, then the industry just doesn't do business here. And then the last thing is that um, we have a very serious tort problem in our state. And I think that's pretty widely recognized. And at some point in time, we're going to have to address that. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about the legislative side of that. Um, the insurance code, the the laws that govern insurance companies and agents is a book that's 2,000 pages long. I mean, it's, it's four inches thick when you have a printed out copy of it. Um, there are a ton of laws uh, regarding insurance. A case in point, to some extent, there is an insurance committee in the legislature there are not a lot of industries that have their own committee. You got natural resources and you got agriculture and those are huge industries in our state. And then the third one that you've got is insurance. Um, and so there's so much legislation every single year on insurance that we have to have its own committee because it bogs down the commerce committee, which is where every other industry banks and florists and, home improvement stores and everybody else is regula regulated out of this one or is legislated out of this one committee. Um, but there's so much insurance legislation that we have to go elsewhere and companies don't like that. I mean, just like any business, you don't want the government telling you every single piece of your operation, what you need to do. And so we just need to minimize that to some extent. Now there need to be guardrails. Insurance is a complex product and there does need to be some consumer protection, but Louisiana is way out on the edge as far as how much of that we do compared to a lot of other states. And I think the proof of that is, is that we're in this insurance crisis, despite all of the legislation and regulation that we've tried to put into place. It hasn't worked. And so maybe it's time to try something else. And really, in our view, the long-term solution for this is to create a healthy, competitive insurance market and you do that by creating a healthy, competitive insurance environment where they want to do business. So how do we do that? Well, so there's a number of things that we've been discussing with the um, various members of the industry. We, we talk to a ton of insurance companies. As I mentioned before, we have a huge availability problem right now where our agents do not have enough companies in that do business in the state to find a placement for your home when you come and ask them for it. And, and that's a huge problem. You have to solve the availability problem before we can even try to address affordability because we need somebody to write the business. Um, and so we've been talking to a ton of different insurance companies about what would it take to get you to want to open up more capacity. And we've got a number of reforms that we can look at. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to hear specifically what, what they are looking at and what we might see coming up during the session. Yeah, so the first thing is really just deregulating the rating process. Um, Dad mentioned that we are very, very tight as far as regulation in the insurance commissioner's office compared to pretty much any other state, and especially the states along the Gulf Coast, the, the ones that are right around us, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, these are all much more lax regulators than what Louisiana is. And um, 
there are three main regulatory styles across the country. About a third of the country uses what's called prior approval, and that's what Louisiana does. And that's where the company wants to file for an increase in their price or for a new form or whatever it may be. They have to submit all of the documentation on that, showing the actuary science behind it and any compliance issues with it to the department. And then the department looks at it and reviews it and that process often takes a long time. Um, case in point, we've had a couple of companies over the last year or three that have basically decided that they just can no longer do business in the state because it took so long to get a rate filing approved that they just decided to leave the state instead of waiting around for that to get approved. Uh, the second kind is file and use, and that's similar, except that they can file it with the department and immediately start using it and then the department reviews it afterwards, and if they find that they disagree with the actuary science and that the rate is not justified, the company has to walk back what they've done and refund the premiums or whatever the case may be. Um, and about a third of states have that uh, system. And then the third is use and file, and that is wide open, free market. Um, the Companies can do what they need to do as long as they're not breaking any laws, you know, discriminating and those kinds of things unfairly. Um, they they file the uh, rate increase and that stuff with the department for informational purposes only, but they can do whatever they want. And that's what, I mean, most industries are. There are very few industries that we tell, that the government tells them, this is what you can charge for your product. And clearly, as we said earlier, they've lost a ton of money over the last little while, the last 15 years or so. They're not getting enough price for what they're ultimately paying out in claims. And so they need the flexibility to be able to change that as the market changes and as the risks change in our state. Right. And so what that breeds is if if companies can come in and get the price that they need for their policies, they can come in and write more and it creates competition in the market, which eventually what drives prices down. Right? Exactly right. And I would point out that even though we are currently a prior approval state and the commissioner does his best to hold prices down, Anybody who's renewed their insurance policy, as you said in the introduction of the program in the last year or two, has seen the prices go through the roof. So having trying to have the government suppress pricing is not a winning strategy. And one of the things that we've been talking to the industry and to some legislators about is we could do a hybrid system where insurance companies could get a certain amount of price increase on, you know, on their own. They don't have to get approval for a price increase up to a certain percent, say 10%, whatever the number might be. And then any big increases over that might be reviewed by the commissioner as actuaries. So there are some combinations of ideas that we may be able to bring to the legislature depending upon what their appetite sure. is. Are there any other issues that we're looking at during the regular session? Well, the other thing that um, I think the industry would like to see in the way of trying to make Louisiana a friendlier, easier to do business environment is for the Department of Insurance to really work with the industry um, as a resource rather than kind of as the insurance police. There is a role for the commissioner of insurance and his staff when an insurance company does not do right by the policyholder to put the hammer down on the company and make them do right. And we as agents fully support all of that. But we really need the insurance department to also help companies do business here. Um, as Ben said earlier, the insurance code is a couple of thousand pages, and the industry needs help in understanding how those laws apply and what they need to do to comply. So rather than 
um, banging them on the head after they've done something wrong. We'd like to see them, you know, do more upfront to help companies understand what they need to do to to operate in Louisiana within the bounds of the law, so they don't get in trouble in the first place. That's good for policyholders and it's good for insurance companies and would make the whole system work better. Yeah. So what we've been talking about so far is primarily about making it easier to do business, and that's really important. As we said earlier, there's only so much capital that's being deployed in the insurance system, and so we need to make it attractive to deploy that capital in Louisiana. And so it is important to make it easier to do business. But as we all know, I mean, companies are by and large driven by the bottom line. They need to be able to make a profit. And so the other piece of it is that we need to make Louisiana more profitable by controlling lost costs over the long run. Because either they need to take in more premiums, which means higher prices for policyholders, and none of us want that, or then we need to reduce the costs for the companies, and that means reducing the claims costs. And there's a few things that we can do to try to help that along. And the number one thing is we need to build better. We need to build better homes. We need to build better buildings. And specifically, we need to build better roofs. Um, the cost of a claim, with if you keep the roof on the building when the wind blows, is reduced by about 70%. So, I mean, it is it is the driving factor. If the roof blows off, the claim is going to escalate massively in any storm situation. And so we need to build better. And there's a number of things that we can do. Uh, in January, beginning of this year, the uh, new building code went into effect, and it's an improvement over the previous building code, and that's a great step. And anything that we can do to continue to move that needle as we go is going to be a good thing long-term for Louisiana homeowners and for the insurance industry and for prices for homeowners. Um, there is, in the last legislative session, they passed a bill for the insure, uh, no, sorry, for the Fortified Homes Program, um, which is to give grants to build what's called a fortified roof on your home. And uh, that's a really specific standard that a company has generated, and they've done a ton of research on what does it take to really keep the roof on the house when the wind blows. And there are specific guidelines of what you have to meet. And if you meet those, then you can get a certificate and usually get a credit on your insurance. But it is a little bit more expensive to build to that. And so to try to encourage homeowners to build to this new higher standard and invest in their house to build it harder and sturdier to withstand the winds in a Cat 4 storm or whatever it may be, um, they've institute a grant program where you can get a grant to of government funds to help you finance that retrofitting your house to have a better roof on it, essentially. But in the previous session, they did not fund it. And so we will encourage the legislature over the next in this next session to try to fund that program because it can really move the needle. If you, if you can fortify a bunch of these homes, that will keep more roofs on and that will drive claims costs down over time. But anything we can do to build better homes, whether that's fortified or whether that's improving the build, general building code, is ultimately going to drive claims costs down. And that, that's a huge part of the solution long term. Well, I know, Jeff, you were heavily involved in the original building codes when they were implemented. And so that process has gotten a lot better. They, you feel like that has made, it's, it's made a difference, right? It's made a big difference. But the, the getting to a fortified standard, as Ben has said, would really make a huge, huge difference. And one of the things that was interesting when the new building code went into effect in January, there was a lot of discussion that apparently this building code is like 95% of the fortified standard. So we're very, very close. We've talked to the um, Contractors Association and others about maybe we could bring the building code to the fortified standard. 
the estimates are that on an average house, it's only two or $3,000 more to build a fortified roof on new construction compared to the building code. Well, if you can, for, for two or $3,000, it doesn't take much of an insurance premium credit to make that up in just a few years. We think that would be a real strong move, too. Well, and the reality of it is nobody wants their roof blown off, right? I mean, it's okay if you have shingle damage or what have you. You don't want to be out of your home. And so it's more, I mean, like for a guy like me and for I think a lot of people, it's more than just the fact that it's really more than about insurance claims. It's about having your house livable after some disaster when you're dealing with a lot of other things. You all brought up a, a, a point that I guess is going to get me to go in a little bit of a different direction. This is not just about insurance agents and insurance companies, right? This affects a lot of industries across the board, right? Home builders, bankers. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that goes? Yeah, we uh, actually have been meeting with the bankers and the realtors and the home builders and Lobby, the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry, about the insurance crisis and about some potential solutions because it does affect everybody. It affects every homeowner. It affects every business, but certain industries more than others. I mean, if the insurance costs go through the roof, contractors can't build houses, bankers can't make loans on houses, realtors can't sell houses. And so it's become a real issue for the business community. And I think you'll see them involved in the reform efforts in the legislature this year. Well, that makes sense. Um, so one other thing that I want to cover, and then I want to cover anything that you all think is important for our listeners to know, we didn't talk much about citizens. And obviously, you know, citizens, maybe you all can give us a little background about the history of citizens and then about kind of... Huh, where we are now, because we're in a rough spot right now. So you want to talk a little bit about the beginning of Citizens and why it was created and, and, and perhaps a little background on it? Sure. So Louisiana Citizens is our residual market. It's the market of last resort for policyholders in the state. If you can't buy insurance in the voluntary market from a you know, for-profit insurance company, essentially, Citizens is there as a backstop. It was created by the a statute in the Louisiana legislature to uh, have that backstop for policyholders, and it is intentionally a non-competitive entity. It is intentionally higher in premium than the voluntary market because we don't want to put the state in the business of writing all of the insurance for a variety of reasons, most importantly, concentration of risk. You don't want Louisiana citizens or whatever your wind pool may be in another state to write 90% of the risk that's exposed to a hurricane because then when the storm comes, the state is on the hook for that. So what we need, like Dad was saying earlier, is a healthy competitive market. But Louisiana Citizens is there as a backstop. After Hurricane Katrina, Louisiana Citizens got up to about 170, 175,000 policies, which is way more than anyone would like to see in Citizens. Again, those policyholders are paying a much higher premium than they would in the voluntary market. And it's not good for the state because after Katrina, we saw a huge assessment that policyholders across the state are still paying off. So Louisiana Citizens is protected from going insolvent because it's a guaranteed by the state as a quasi-governmental entity by the ability to assess policyholders. And after Katrina, the losses were so bad that they had to do that, and they took out a bond that we're still paying off. It's set to expire, I think, in 2026. And that's every policyholder from down on the coast all the way up to Oil City, Louisiana, where our friend Representative Danny McCormick is from, all the way on the Arkansas border. So every single po person with a property policy in Louisiana 
is funding those losses from Katrina. And that's the fear here because we got it down using the depopulation strategies over time between Katrina and the 2020 storms to somewhere around 30,000 policyholders, something in that neighborhood. But since the market has receded the way it has recently, it's shot back up and we're in the neighborhood of 125,000 currently. And again, that's more than we would like to see. And so one of the goals of the Insured Louisiana Incentive Program that they just funded in the special session is to try to reduce that number because it is a risk for every policyholder in the state if we have too much in citizens. And in, in fact, it was part of the reason we needed to do it in a special session to jumpstart before the hurricane season, correct? Absolutely. So many companies, a majority of companies, buy their reinsurance with a 6-1 June 1st renewal date. Um, and so if they were going to do a depopulation of citizens, they needed to know that while they were negotiating. And there, a lot of them are right now, over these weeks that we're in right now, negotiating that reinsurance purchase. And so they needed to be able to go to the reinsurers and say, I plan to take the, this number of policies out of citizens and go into the next cycle with that in mind. Um, and that's why it was important to do it in a special session rather than waiting for the general. Yeah, And Jeff, I know you've served on the board of citizens and you're intimately familiar with the history of the organization and such. And, and that, that reinsurance piece was pretty significant, right? It was a big part of all of the increases. It was the 95% of the reason for the 63% increase on January 1 was to pay for the reinsurance that Louisiana citizens had to buy because they grew so much. Um, and we really projected citizens to be at about 70 uh, to 90,000 policies. And again, they've shot over 120, 125,000 policies. So one of the risks is if we don't depopulate citizens, the reinsurance costs are going to continue to go up, and which could mean additional rate increases at Louisiana citizens. And those policyholders really getting to the point where they have trouble paying those high premiums. No doubt about it. No doubt. I've, I've heard the stories about, in fact, my daughter uh, uh, had called me and said, Dad, my, my insurance nearly doubled. And so it was, uh, it's been very, very challenging, particularly for young people who are trying to get their uh, start in life or people who are on fixed incomes or older. I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of a hidden tax, if you will, and we've got to do something about it. Any other uh, items for the good of the order that you want to talk about? Yeah, let's go back to some ideas for reform in this legislative session. Ben talked earlier about um, we're either going to pay higher premiums or we have to find ways to reduce the losses. Uh, he talked about the uh, building code and fortified a couple other things that we'd like to see done in the legislature. Again, 20 and 21 were historic storm years, 800,000 claims. And frankly, it overwhelmed everybody, including the insurance industry. And there were some real problems with getting claims settled on a timely basis and getting paid for what people needed to be paid for. Um, there were some real problems. And that's fine, but we have a, a couple of bad faith statutes, two statutes that are very poorly defined. We agree that when an insurance company intentionally does not pay a policyholder what they're due, they ought to be fined with a bad faith penalty, which can be up to 50%. Um, the problem is when you have this many claims, the standard for when that bad faith penalty applies is not clearly defined. They use a term called a satisfactory proof of loss. When there's a satisfactory proof of loss, the insurance company has to write a check. Well, if we know when that is, that's fair. The problem is we don't really know what that time frame is. And so we're going to urge the legislature to clarify that. 
we're not asking to do away with bad faith penalties. Bad insurance companies ought to pay a penalty. But there needs to be a clearly defined mechanism for the policyholder and the company to come to an agreement. This is what the company owes. And one way we could do that, in many states, they have a, a statement of loss that the policyholder has to sign and say, this is my loss. This is what I think you owe me. And that does not preclude them from making supplemental claims as they begin to repair their house. They need to make a second or third or fourth claim. They can do that. But the first claim, they sign a form, say, this is what you owe me. Well, the clock starts. And then if the insurance company doesn't pay, they deserve a penalty. So we need to clean up the bad faith uh, statute. There's one or two other things. Ben, why don't you talk about some other ideas? Yeah, so another thing that we're talking about is the proliferation of some fly-by-night roofer operations after storms. Um, you know, after these recent storms, you get people flying in from Texas and Florida and anywhere else that they have these kinds of issues, and they sign up every policyholder they can get their hands on to put a new roof on their house. And in a lot of cases, that's great. I, I think out-of-state roofers and adjusters and other building-related people are always going to be necessary after a storm because we just don't have, you know, sitting around on the streets enough people to do that after a storm because there's not normally that level of demand. However, there are some abuses in that as well. Um, there are some people that are knocking on every door in every neighborhood they walk down and say, you need a new roof and I can get you get the insurance company to pay for it. And that's a problem. That drives up the cost of claims for the insurance company, which, you know, if you want to make the insurance company pay, that's fine. But ultimately that gets passed back to the policyholder in the form of higher premiums. And so um, we need to be able to rein that in in some way. So there needs to be some level of regulation, permitting, registration, something on some of these roofers and building consultants and those so kinds of So I'm kind of, of laughing a little bit because yesterday a roofer knocked on my door and said there was a hailstorm recently and I want to check your roof. And I'm like, well, we were out of town, but I wasn't aware of a hailstorm. So clearly they were trying to churn that's what I call a churn some business. And if they can find a little pock mark or two, then what they want to do is like get you to sign over your rights, you know, with the insurance company so that they can go negotiate to, to get you a new roof. That's the sort of thing that happens, right? And, and unfortunately, we've kind of developed a culture in Louisiana where people don't expect to pay for their to replace right. their own roof. Right. And, and you hear people all the time say, yeah, I need a new roof, but I'm just going to wait till you know summertime. You know, we may have a storm, and I get the insurance company to pay for it. And as Ben said, that's fine. But then we're going to have some of the highest insurance premiums in the country. Yeah. So it's just a matter of you know how we want to manage our business. Yeah. What else we got, Ben? Well, long term, a piece of the solution has to be tort reform on the auto and liability side um, in the 2019 session, took a stab at it, did not get a complete reform package because there are some political obstacles um, that they just were not able to overcome. And at some point, that's going to have to be a part of the solution because the really big insurance companies, the really quality insurance companies that we would love to have writing in Louisiana haven't written here for a long time because it hasn't been profitable on the property and it hasn't been profitable on the liability side. They want to be able to write all lines of business. They'd love to be able to write your homeowners and your auto and an umbrella for you and then write your the small business that you run, the 
general liability and the workers' compensation and the commercial auto and, and be able to get a whole nice package and be able to be profitable on all of those lines. And currently, essentially, workers' comp is the only one that is really very profitable in our state, unfortunately, and that's because of the tort problems. Dad mentioned earlier we're seeing huge tort problems, not only on the property side but also on the liability side. Now, realistically, are we going to be able to do that in this general session? Probably not, because the political environment has not changed significantly enough for us to be able to move that needle. But we're hoping that after the next election, we may get some people that are more open to um, those policies in positions of power that we can uh, take another bite at that apple and hopefully get some real meaningful tort reform that will move the needle on the liability side. And that'll also encourage people to come back for property because they'll want to write the whole package, as I said. Yeah. And just to put that in perspective, um, on private passenger automobile insurance, which is near and dear to everybody's heart, we all pay for it because we all have to have it by law. Louisiana's loss experience is only slightly higher than the national average. The, how often we have accidents is just slightly higher than the national average. But our bodily injury claim frequency, how often we claim that we're hurt in an automobile accident and need a big check, is twice the national average. And again, we can, we can play that game if we want to play that game, but that is, has resulted in us having among the highest automobile insurance rates in the country. If we want to drive down the premiums, we have to drive down the losses. And again, if you're really hurt, then you really need to get paid for that. But obviously, we're not twice as fragile as the rest of the country. We don't need to make twice as many claims as everybody easier, else. Right? That's no. right. So um, it's a clear indication that our tort system is a little bit out of control, or a whole lot out of control, and we gotta, we got to rein that in if we really want to drive down insurance costs. Yeah, no doubt about it. Any else, anything else that you guys want to talk about? At the end of the day, we're going to you know, be open to listening to what insurance companies bring forward, and we're going to have to see what they bring in the legislative session because they're the ones that can tell us what can really move the needle for them and convince them to deploy, deploy more capital because, as we said earlier, we've got a huge affordability and availability problem and if we can't get more companies to come right and compete in our state, we're never going to have a sustainable, healthy market. And so we need to be a little bit guided by them, and we're going to be open to listening to what they have to say and see whether it seems reasonable to us. But that's some of the lists that we've heard so far. And just to make it clear, we don't always agree with insurance companies. Oh, no. Sometimes <laughs> they want things that we don't think sure. are fair, right, and appropriate, and when they bring that kind of legislation, we oppose it. But the bottom line is we need a healthy, competitive insurance market. And the only way we're going to get that is if we give insurance companies a healthy environment in which to operate where they want to do business here, they want to write coverage, they want to compete with each other, and policyholders win when we do that. No, I absolutely agree with you. And, and insurance agents are, are the closest to the people, right? They're the ones that are out there with the consumers. And I guess in a legislative uh, perspective, the the constituents. Um, and I know I love and trust my insurance agent. I don't particularly like sending the premiums, <laughs> uh, but I really do love my insurance agent. He does a great job and I wouldn't, you know, really want to do this without him. So I appreciate both of you for being here. Uh, Jeff and Ben, thanks so much Thank for you. your time today. You can uh, follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Pelican Brief 225. That's our handle on all of those platforms. You can find the podcast everywhere you get your podcasts 
Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and all the others. You can also follow us on YouTube because for those of you who are listening, this is also videotaped. And our YouTube handle is at the Pelican Brief 225. You know the rules. If you have a good take, uh, we'll mention you on the show. If you have a great take, you may be a guest. So again, like, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time on the Pelican Brief. The Pelican Brief is an off-script production.